Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What a day. What a week. For that matter, what a month it's been. And what a time it is to be a football fan in the state of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, good Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk, all guests appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Big story today was the opening press conference for Mike Leach introduced officially today as the new head football coach at Mississippi State in Starkville. Big crowd at the Leo Seal Center and um, was televised on the SEC Network. I'm sure many of you watched that or maybe you've gone back and listened to some of the press conference. If perhaps you were working or were unable to uh, hear Mike Leach earlier today, got good news for you. You're going to hear from him this afternoon as we will play that press conference for you. Brian Haydad was there in Starkville and... You know, hey, Dad, I don't know what the perspective was from inside the room, but as I sat in at the desk in my office uh, and and watched it, I just couldn't help but smile and laugh out loud some and feel like we got everything and maybe a little more than we could have wanted, than you could have wanted um, in kind of that opening salvo from Mike Leach. What, what did you think? I agree with you. I, I I was not expecting. I wasn't sure I was going to get the full Mike Leach experience on day one, but I got it. Uh, he, he was you know verbose, loquacious might be the word we're going to use here. Uh, he, he he had a lot to say about a v- wide variety of topics, and uh, you know I just go ahead and let you know that uh, Mondays this fall. Uh, normally, I know we start at three, and normally those press conferences start at twelve thirty, but I, I might be late a couple of times. Uh, when we when we go to fall, because I might have to stay there and uh and cover those things, and then he could just get off on a tangent. But he was well received, and I, I think by and large, Mississippi State fans they they got to see what they wanted today, which was a coach that uh they feel is going to bring wins and and bring this pro keep this program going on the in the right direction. Uh, but at the same time, you, you've got one of the the, the top characters in, in the sport as well. He was introduced by John Cohen, and then. Uh, Mark Keenan, the president at Mississippi State, came to the stage and gave him his very first official fancy cowbell. He rang it, then he handed it to his wife and uh, took the stage and gave an opening statement. And he said, I'm really not big on opening statements. This may be the longest one you hear all year long. And he opened it up for questions. And he seemed to really be kind of enjoying the moment. Like he was not only happy to be there, but happy to be kind of starting... The narrative's not the right word, but kind of introducing his personality to specifically Mississippi State fans, but also kind of to the entire SEC. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he 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 definitely seemed to be. I don't know if in his element is the right word because, I, like he said, he's not. I don't know how much of a you know a straight up hey I'm happy to be here kind of guy he is, but he was having fun with it. You know, somebody asked him about you know being in Starville and he was he was modeling his brand new suit up there and he said, "Don't get used <laughs> to seeing me in one of these." And you know, just just all the talk. He got got asked about the visitors' locker room and I mean that answer is just it was just so beautiful. Talking about that, the, the how terrible the visitors' locker room, and he was sad. He said he went in there, and now it's an office, and he he, he wanted to relive those memories. <laughs> uh, he didn't get that opportunity now, so yeah, um, it's it's a different look, you know, from what Dan Mullen did and what Joe Moorhead did for Mississippi State. It'll it'll take some getting used to, I'm sure, but uh, you know, once once the game start and he's calling plays and dialing up all those passes, you know, that's going to be the real test for Mike Leach. Do we know if he talks about injuries? You know, I, that's a that's something I probably should have broached with him. Like, coach, <laughs> maybe let's not just say today. one of your quarterbacks. Yeah, one of your quarterbacks tweaks his elbow. How are you going to let us know what happened, coach? What happened to your quarterback? He blank. Should have figured that out. Yeah, I guess we'll figure that out in days to come. Uh, he was asked about how long it was going to take to install his offense. I couldn't help but be reminded a little bit of Phil Longo when he first, because he coached the Air Raid and has studied the Air Raid offense and is a fan and a friend of Mike Leach, and you remember when he was first asked about that, he said, well, we'll install it in a week and then we'll reinstall it the second week and then we'll be good to go. And when asked about installation of his offense with a new personnel group, he goes, that's, you know, it doesn't usually take us that long. Yeah, we'll get it put in in the first week and, uh, It'll be pretty good by the second week. I, I was like, I've heard that before, but it just <laughs> feels like um, the way he coaches this particular style of offense is going to be a little bit different because in a lot of ways, uh, along with how Mummy, he is the creator of the air raid offense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like the term godfather, uh, personally. I just, it just works for me. Um, okay. This this is this is him. This is his offense. This is you know when when people talk about the air raid, they're talking about Mike Leach and Hal Mummy, and, and you know Mike Leach has been the the guy who sort of stood the test of time, and he's he's put this offense in in both of his coaching stops before, and since then he's 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 won at both of them. So you know Mississippi State's roster, I I, I have trouble visualizing it as an air raid team, but that's you know he's not going to trade out for a bunch of guys. Those are the guys that are going to have to do it. So, you know, the idea that Osiris Mitchell might catch 40 or 50 passes next year and, you know, State might have some games where they throw 55, 60 passes, that's just something I'm going to have. I'm going to have to see it to, to sort of really fully wrap my mind around him, but it's coming. It's coming, and, and we're all going to see it. If I had given you odds going into the press conference today of 20 to 1, that the first person associated with Mississippi State not named John Cohen or Mark Keenum that Mike Leach would mention was Ronnie Polk. Would you have taken those <laughs> odds, or would you have said, "No, it's, I'm just throwing my money away"? I would not have taken those odds. And you know, when he he started talking about baseball for a second, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's going to drop a Polk reference here," because uh, I, I didn't know that he had coached high school baseball or, or, or what he was saying there. Uh, no, would not have, have bought into that. But uh, you know, he, he was uh, well versed enough on the traditions and, and and things of Mississippi State that you know, and that, and that's part of winning the press conferences. You know, letting people know that hey, 
you know, I know about you. You know, you're not, you you have some relevance. You had relevance in my life before this moment in time. So, you know, yeah, and, the term and, win and the press me, conference, it, it, it worked today. And it was not disingenuous. It was not, oh, just some passing reference to Ron Polk because somebody gave me a notepad with some bullet points on it of things that I might mention that would generate a reaction from the audience. It was in great detail about the book that Ron Polk wrote and the original edition and how it was bound and where it was in his library and the fact that he had gotten the updated edition. This is a guy that has an incredibly wide range of interests. He is a person that is fascinated by learning. You know, he was asked about the insurgent warfare and the similarities to football class that he taught uh, with the the senator from Washington. And to me, one of the fascinating things about that, and I wasn't surprised to hear this, was that, okay, I got through the football stuff and then I sat down, and that's when it got interesting to me because now I could learn. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he talked about that. He said that, you know, he felt like he learned more in that class than he taught. Um, so not, I thought that was very interesting. And it was asked if he'll bring something like that to Mississippi State. I won't be surprised if uh, there is a class available uh, for, 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 for Mike Leach uh, come fall semester. Borky, I know you listened to the press conference today. You've cut up all, all the audio. We're going to play a bunch of that starting in the uh, the next segment for you. It was long, and there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack, and we'll play it in some different segments throughout the show what was your take, though, as you listened to the introductory press conference today for Mike Leach? My take was it was pretty good the second time as well because I forgot to hit record the first time. Uh, <laughs> um, so you'll be hearing this for the third time this afternoon. Yeah, it'll be the third time. It'll be nice. But, no, I, I agree with you guys. He seemed he did seem a little bit more buttoned up than I think you're going to get like on your average Monday after a win. I mean, he was still himself, and he gets really excited when he was asked about the the military tactics class that he taught. But he didn't really take the bait on the mascot question and stuff like that. He He's funny, he's quirky, but he was a little bit more buttoned up today than I think you'll get when it's a more relaxed, intimate setting. But, I mean, it was exactly what you expect when you get Mike Leach. Smart, engaging, funny, kind of weird. It was just it was perfect, almost surreal, that that guy's finally coaching here. So a lot of Mike Leach coming for you this afternoon. We've got some other stuff to get to as well. Zach Bingham from A to Z Sports in Nashville is going to join us. We'll talk some NFL playoffs, including that Titans game that is coming up against the Baltimore Ravens. We'll look at the other matchups coming up this afternoon as well. Basketball this weekend. Ole Miss hosting Arkansas, Mississippi State, trying to get back after it uh, this weekend as well and bounce back from uh, the loss that they had to Alabama earlier in the week. They're shot to pull off an upset for either Ole Miss at home or Mississippi State this weekend. Patrick Reed, who really has not endeared himself to golf fans, has now threatened to sue a Golf Channel commentator. Major League Baseball has got their sign-stealing scandal. It now extends to Boston. We'll try to get into that. Southern Miss has picked up a, uh, a good player out of the SEC via the transfer portal. And maybe a little bit of college baseball news. So a bunch to get to with you this afternoon. We'll let you hear some of Mike Leach when we come back. Dewey Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Friday afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. 
Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Ceasefire, customer-inspired. Paul and Carnes says, I read somewhere that Mike Leach has a law degree from Pepperdine. Is that accurate? He does seem like a sharp guy. Yes, that's accurate. Undergrad at BYU, law degree from Pepperdine out in Malibu. The views there are pretty good. Most beautiful setting for a college baseball stadium in America, and I think I would argue with anybody uh, about that. Glad to have you along this afternoon. want to let you hear some from Mike Leach. About nine and a half or ten minutes here to start things off. This was Mike Leach after being introduced by John Cohen and being given a cowbell by Dr. Bart Keenum. Well, the first thing I want to say is how honored I am to have the opportunity uh, uh, to work for uh, uh, John Cohen and, and also uh, Dr. Keenum and uh, you know, these guys, I've, I've heard about their reputation over the years and things like that. And also Mississippi State, um, like any football coach, I've been familiar with this great state and the great players that play here and the pride that exists in this state. And although I will forever uh, be proud and, uh, if I'm not careful, get emotional about my time at Washington State and the opportunity to coach there because I'm very proud of that team and very proud of the Cougs, um, I'm excited about this uh, this next step, this next chapter, and to be a Washington or and to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. And I think that uh, uh, I've heard for years about the family atmosphere. And I'll, I'll tell you the other thing, um, Coach Cheryl, uh, Jackie Cheryl, was a guy that when I was a young coach, kind of took me under his wing and and, and told me about uh, this great place. And of course, I was jealous. And then. Um, and then uh, when I when I I, um, I first started coaching baseball, I started coaching baseball when I was 15. So when I got to college first year, uh, uh, the textbook was Baseball Playbook by Ronnie Polk, and, 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 and it looked like a great big term paper with the the, the you know the the brass things through the deal. And, and, and I still have that book, and then I made sure I got the, the updated version. And I'll tell you, and I've used what I learned out of that book in football over the years, uh, you know, how he'd organize his drills, even though his baseball had everybody going somewhere. Everybody was doing something. In our football practices, we try to have constant motion, everybody going somewhere. So don't be surprised if you come by our practice field and you see five quarterbacks uh uh, each throwing a ball to five receivers because uh, uh, we want as much action and as much work as we can possibly get in a short period of time. I know we've got a lot of work to do here, uh, but, uh, you know, we've got some great players here, and uh, I'm really excited about this challenge, and uh, we've got plenty of hard work ahead of us, but it's going to be fulfilling work. We're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to uh, uh, work harder than uh, – uh, than any team uh, in the country to be a team that uh, everyone in here can be proud of. And uh, so I really appreciate that. And then I, I, uh, my wife, Sharon, I wouldn't be here without her because there's been uh, a lot of tough times where, you know, she made more money than I did for 10 years in order to feed this football habit. And um, so with that said, uh, I'm not a big opening statement guy. This is maybe the longest one of the year. Um <laughs> Uh, does anybody have any questions? Obviously, you've had opportunities to go other places from Washington State. Why was this the spot that you chose, and what went into the decision to come to Mississippi State? 
uh, why I chose Mississippi State in, 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 in you know, I, uh, the cowbell represents a lot of the pride and tradition that personifies this place. And, and I guess there's so many ways to describe that. Uh, you know, they put the symbol under the cowbell, and, and, and that means uh, more than we really have time to talk about here. But it's something that even as an outsider you feel. And then the commitment to football that the uh, the state of Mississippi has, and the entire uh, southeast region, and, and then the the athletes that you have the opportunity to be a part of here, and they only become uh, that way through incredibly hard work and dedication. And I wanted to be a part of that, and I wanted to have the opportunity to um, uh, you know uh, have another chapter in my career. And we we all you know why do you play sports? whether you're uh, a player or a coach, is to have the opportunity to see or do something uh, bigger than you currently are as you fight and uh, scratch uh, to achieve. And so, um, you know, this is a place with great resources and a great opportunity, in my opinion, to do that. Your offense is a tech in Washington State, obviously, or, you know, have had a lot of success and are, um, there's something built in a way that, folks around here probably have never seen how feasible is it to you know right away implement an offense like that here given you know the players that are here and the culture that's already been in place um i'll be able to give you a pretty good uh a better answer after about a week of spring uh, we've always been able to we've always been able to install it fast i don't think it'll be perfect within a week but i think it'll be uh, uh fairly sharp within two weeks and um uh but it, you know it's not going to be perfect. I mean that's why that's why we're in this. You're 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 always grinding away. But um, as far as seeing our offense, uh, um, and we've been doing it for a long time. But uh, you know a lot of NFL teams have adopted it. You know if you look at the Patriots, the uh, the Saints, the Packers. Uh, you know and, and generally speaking, the last uh, uh, the, most of the Super Bowls for uh, the last eight ten years have had some uh, air raid concepts in it. Um, we originally drew it from the wishbone and, you know, um, offensively two objectives that we're trying to achieve uh, is we want to attack as much space as possible and we want to put it in uh, all the skill positions' uh, hands. And, you know, so the thought very simply, uh, the more people the defense has to keep track of over a bigger area, the better our chances are. And uh, uh, so I don't know if you, as you guys come up with a good play to do that. Maybe we'll cut one of the ones we got and we'll add yours because we do that. We do that. Uh, we do that from time to time. The SEC in the past has kind of been a conference that's relied on defense, but over like the last five or so years, it's really seen an uptick in offense. I guess from what have you seen from afar in that, and then coming over here? I guess was there something that you know excited you about that? I think it's a little of both. You know, I think um, conferences and, and, and teams will go kind of in cycles. Um, you know, I remember when uh, I was the offensive coordinator at the University of Kentucky. Um, we led the nation in passing, you know, and then um, and uh, threw it a lot there. And I thought uh, elevated uh, things there at the University of Kentucky for the two years I had the opportunity to be there. And then, uh, you know, and then... Uh, there were some balls flying around then. Of course, you had Florida throwing it quite a bit then, too. And, um, you know, and the biggest thing as an offensive coach, you're, 
we used to refer to it as uh, build a better mousetrap. You know, how do we build the mousetrap better, we used to say. You know, because, you know, building a better mousetrap. Well, if we, and, and we, we would even say stuff like, well, if we run a post on that play, that'll help the mousetrap, you see. And um, the biggest thing, always trying to, uh, we spend most of our time talking about how we're going to practice and how we're going to duplicate and reinforce those skills and repetition over and over. Uh, but then, um, you know, we also talk uh, uh, quite a bit about, you know, how we're going to find ways to attack space. And, you know, sometimes you'll have a real special player, you know, like our running back this last year had an awful lot of yards. And if you if you don't count uh, kickoff returns, um, he led uh, he led the Pac-12 in yards. And, um, you know, so if you got a special player, you're trying to get the ball in his hands as many times as you can and devising ways to do it. And what I like about uh, what we do offensively is you got some flexibility in uh, how to do that. Joel Coleman, Starful Daily News. Uh, have you had a chance to solidify your staff yet and things? Uh, you gonna, will, will any of the current staff members possibly be retained and things? Just kind of what's your timeline on staff and stuff? Well, the timeline's as soon as possible. Uh, the timeline's as soon as possible, and, and obviously for some positions I have some people in mind, and, you know, and, it's, and it's always tough. And I've been on both sides uh, uh, of this coin, and I have the utmost admiration uh, for everybody that's worked here because I know what a struggle it is to be a coach, and, you know, you live and die uh, on each game and always trying to do the very best you can. So I, I, I couldn't have more respect uh uh, you know, for my predecessors and what they did and, I, and, and what everybody uh, strived to achieve. Um, but then uh, with the course of that, I mean, I've got uh, also in, uh, there's some coaches that I know that I'm familiar with uh, that I think will best, uh, uh, you know, duplicate uh, what we're trying to achieve uh, offensively and defensively. And so um, there will definitely be uh, some that I've worked with in the past. So um, I don't have a perfect answer for that. I've, uh, I've uh, been here for, I don't know if we have 24 hours. Maybe it's heading towards 24 hours. And, um, but no, that's, that's, that's the top priority is you've got to get the staff uh, organized so you can duplicate your efforts and uh, take care of the team and, uh, and, and, and just uh, really start uh, uh, integrating uh you know what we want to teach and accomplish we'll have more of mike leach for you as we move through the show this afternoon at sports talk mississippi on supertalk.fm what's mississippi state paying mike leach and how much money does he have to pay assistant coaches we will tell you that when we come back sports talk mississippi on this friday Afternoon. What a week it's been. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. And you won't get the furious refreshing of message boards and constant attachment to Twitter uh, in hopes of finding a scoop or information. You won't have all of that this weekend, the way you've had for the last six or seven days, especially if you're a Mississippi State fan. Hey, Dad, we got the uh, the contract terms for Mike Leach, and it's a big contract, a four-year contract, which is the maximum allowable 
in the state of Mississippi, $5 million a year. So a four-year, $20 million contract to start things off. That's a not just a competitive salary. That is a big-time salary for Mike Leach. Yeah, more than, than it, Mississippi State has ever paid a, a head coach. I think Mullen was at 4.5 in, in the final year he was at Mississippi State. Uh, I think he's not the if – I, if I looked at it right, he's the sixth-highest-paid coach uh, in the conference. Uh, assistant coaches pool is four point seven million for ten. Uh, I think I'm again. I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure. I think it was three point five under uh, Moorhead. So that's a big Ooh, bump there. And especially when you take into consideration, when you take into consideration, I don't think Mike Leach will hire an offensive coordinator that you would have to pay a million plus to. You know, he's going to call the plays. So opportunity there. You know, you you'll, you have a chance to get a you know a good a big name defensive coordinator. And I would I would. I would expect that to be, you know, they'll, they'll go after some of those kind of guys. And then you have, you know, plenty of money left over there. So uh, a big bump in what Mississippi State was paying. I mean, from head coach, you know, Moorhead was scheduled to make $3.1 million, So basically a $2 million uh, jump here for Mississippi State. I think this is a, a very competitive package when you take everything into account. When you look at the highest paid defensive coordinators in the country and – Really, it's defensive coordinators that are at the uh, the top of the list in terms of, of salaries. Dave Aranda, this past season, $2.5 million. Brent Venables at Clemson, $2.2 million. Mike Elko at Texas A&M, $2.1 million. Kevin Steele at Auburn, $1.9 million. Todd Grantham at Florida, $1.8 and change. Um, Todd Orlando has left Texas. He was not defensive guy, right? He was the offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator. No, he was defensive. Okay, that's right. Yeah. yeah, defensive coordinator, but has left Texas. Uh, John Chavis at Arkansas last year made a million and a half. Same thing for Mike McIntyre last year at Ole Miss. Dom Brown at Michigan, a million and a half. Um, Alex Grinch at Oklahoma, 1.4. Pete Golding at Alabama, 1.1. So those are, you know, some of the, the highest paid defensive coordinators. Bud Foster, who just finished at Virginia Tech, making a million. So the list of defensive coordinators nationally this past season making seven figures, really not that long. I mean, you're talking about 15 or so guys. So it would mm-hmm. stand to reason that if Mike Leach goes out and hires a quote-unquote big-time defensive coordinator, you're looking at a guy that's going to be probably in the top ten, maybe the top eight nationally in terms of pay at that position. Yeah, that's what you would think. Uh, like I said, I don't know what names are going to crop up just yet. I've seen you know some message board rumors. I don't know how much credence to put into those. Um, but with Leach being such an offensive guy and – you know, he almost has a reputation a little bit of, of a guy who, who neglects things defensively. Maybe makes a lot of sense for me, especially, like I said, if you're not going to have to pay an offensive coordinator to, to really pile on here and try to get a top, top defensive coordinator. Uh, just looking to see what Bob Shoup made last year. That's not on this I list. Ju- I think when you, I, I, and I, I could be, you know, I don't have that in front of me. Uh, I think. When you take his full package into account, he was uh, around eight hundred six hundred thousand. Okay, I was wrong then. Yeah, what? How much did you say? I said eight fifty. Maybe there was some private money that went into it. 
the list for this season yeah. that was from USA Today showed him with a school paid salary of six hundred thousand. So there may have been some bulldog club money that went into that that pushed it a little bit higher. Um, but among assistant coaches, that was one hundred third nationally. Yeah, it kind of feels like that number is about to change pretty dramatically. It does. No, no, no question about that to me. Um. The four point seven million for assistance, I think you made a good point when you look at okay, you're not going to hire a million dollar offensive coordinator. And so it's funny, defensive guys get paid more than offensive guys in terms of coordinators. Oh, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian was I think the highest mainly because I think it's just mainly because most head coaches these days are offensive guys. You know? Yeah. I mean Mullen, Fisher, you know, the top they're for the most part, outside of Saban and Smart. Who are the defensive head coaches? <sighs> Talking about in the SEC? Barry Odom, around, may his you know career I mean? rest in peace, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was one. Back to being a defensive guy. Mason? Yeah, yeah. Muschamp, I guess. Muschamp's a defensive guy. But, you know, by and large, it seems like most schools are going offensive first on the head coach. At least in terms of what was on this USA Today list, Steve Sarkeesian was the highest-paid offensive coordinator in the country at $1.55 million at Alabama. Uh, you had Josh G- Jim Chaney at Tennessee making a million and a half. Uh, Josh Gaddis at Michigan making $1.1. Uh, Kendall Bryles was making over a million last year at Florida State. You would assume that he got a raise um, at, uh, at Arkansas and Sam Pittman's staff. Uh, but there's going to be some money to spread around. There's been a lot of discussion among Mississippi State fans over the last few weeks about the strength and conditioning coach at Oregon. Now, I guess maybe a point of clarification is necessary here. Is strength and conditioning and an analyst staff part of the assistant coach pool of $4.7 million, or is there a separate pool of money for that? That's a good question. Uh, I would. I think that's a separate pool. I mean, let's just look at it like this. It's just a normal staff, right? You'd have offensive coordinator, quarterback, running back, receiver, O-line, yeah, tight end, assistants. defensive line, yeah, linebacker. Yeah, so that I mean, there's 10 right there, right? So, yeah, it's got to be a separate pool for that. Yeah, I, I would assume that that's the case and yeah. would be interested to know. Maybe we can find that out in the uh, in the coming days. You know how much money is there for the strength and conditioning staff, and you know the analyst staff, which has become a, a really big part. You know, player personnel, player yeah. development, analyst, kind of all of that that goes into the football operation. So, what about this Oregon strength and conditioning coach that everybody keeps talking about? That's got the serious handlebar mustache. Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, you know former Bulldog football player Aaron Feld uh, played under Croom. There was a lot of, of talk connecting him to Joe Judge had he taken the job because they were teammates. Uh, okay. That, that, that might have been a done deal. Um, there has been a, a groundswell movement to try to bring Aaron Feld back to Mississippi. Well, he hasn't ever coached here. But to bring him to Mississippi State, he certainly has a great reputation. But pulling anybody away from Oregon, that's going to be a tough sell because not only is the money good out there, but you can't imagine he lacks for anything in terms of state-of-the-art facilities uh, with Nike right there. So... I would imagine they'll they'll you know they would they would be a, a you know try to see what kind of there's any mutual interest. I'm sure Leach is familiar with him from his time in the Pac-12, and obviously John Cohen would be familiar with him as well. Um, and like I said, there's a lot in the fan base that wants to make this happen, but 
I, I don't think that uh, Mike Leach was given any kind of uh, ultimatums regarding his staffing. He'll be allowed to, to pick and choose and make his staff as he sees fit. So $5 million base salary for Mike Leach, and then, like all of these contracts, you've got performance incentives there as well. Fifty grand for being named SEC Coach of the Year by either the SEC Coaches or the Associated Press. $100,000 for being named National Coach of the Year by a whole bunch of different entities that are out there. And then some scaled bonuses as well. An appearance in the SEC Championship game would net him $100,000. Winning the SEC championship game would be 250000 but that would take the place of the $100,000 bonus for just getting to the game. Same scenario with the uh, the bowl games. A, a higher payout for a higher achievement would negate the lower payout, and so it's only a, a single bonus item. Seventy five grand for going to Birmingham, Vegas, Independence, or any other Tier 3 bowl game. A hundred k for participation in the... Gator Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the Belt Bowl, Music City, Texas, or Liberty Bowl. 150000 for getting to the Citrus Bowl. two hundred k for participating in one of the Access Bowl games, which are currently the Sugar, the Rose, the Orange, the Cotton, the Fiesta, or the Peach Bowl. $400,000 for getting to a college football playoff semifinal game. It goes to 500000 if he wins that and advances to the national championship game. And if you win it all... Well, here's a million-dollar check. Congratulations. And, yes, we will circle back around next week and renegotiate your contract. I was reading between the lines on that very last part. It, it, feels, it feels fair. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, plenty of opportunity for uh, Mike Leach to not only make the $5 million, uh, but uh, additional money as well. And I think John Cohen and Mark Keenum have got to get a lot of credit for this uh, because they were not paying – Joe Moorhead anywhere close to this. They had not allocated anywhere close to this amount of money for um, assistant coaches. And so the administration at Mississippi State has made a big-time commitment, not only to Mike Leach, but to the staff going forward to say, we want to win, we want to be competitive, and we don't want to give you any reasons to not be able to do that. More of Mike Leach coming up for you in the second and third hours of the show. About 10, 15 minutes from now, Zach Bingham from A to Z Sports in Nashville will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. We will talk with him about uh, Rippy's Tennessee Titans as they get set for a matchup with the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round of the playoffs. You excited about that? I am. What are your uh, what are your viewing plans? Well, I mean, I'm going to miss part of it because there's a heavyweight fight between Ole Miss and Arkansas in the Pavilion tomorrow. So I don't really know. Probably just go home. Are you bitter about that? No, not in the slightest. No place I'd rather be. He's thrilled to cover basketball and miss that. Actually, yeah. Auburn moved their game up because of weather. I think they should follow suit. Can't be too too safe. Has nothing to do with the games. I was told today. Uh, there's only one Titans fan on the Ole Miss beat, and it's not Brian Scott Rippey, is what I was told. Who is the Titans fan? Uh, Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger said, Rippey, not a real fan. He he, he dogged on you. Ouch. I'll stab him in the back after that. Hey, quick <laughs> quick golf story for you. Uh, we talked earlier in the week about uh, back 
during Winners and Losers about uh, Patrick Reed in the playoff last week against Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley. Then it was just two of them. And right after Reed struck a putt that uh, could have potentially put him in a spot to win or maybe extend the playoff, you had a guy in the uh, in the stands yell, Cheater! Patrick Reed doesn't only have his caddy wading in to defend his badly battered reputation, he's now sending a lawyer as well. Golf Week obtained a cease and desist letter that Reed had his attorney send to Golf Channel's Brandel Chambly demanding the Golf Channel analysts not repeat accusations that the former's, uh, former Masters champion cheated at the Hero World Challenge last month. Shambly's been a vocal critic of Reed's hugely controversial actions at the Hero, where video showed him twice scooping sand from behind the ball on practice swings in a bunker, improving his lie. Reed was penalized two strokes by rules officials, but he denied deliberately cheating a brush off that had little uh, that did little to alter the uh, the belief that he had done just that. Quote: The purpose of this letter is to obtain assurance that you will refrain from any further dissemination, publication, or republication of false and defamatory statements concerning Reed, including any allegations that he cheated at the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. That is the letter from Patrick Reed's attorney. Peter Ginsburg at Sullivan and Worcester in New York City. Letter was dated and received by Shambly on December 13th. Reed's lawyer included in the note, indeed, as you should know and presumably do know, but chose to ignore, if the PGA Tour believed that Mr. Reed had intentionally violated any rule, he would have been disqualified from the tournament rather than assessed a two-stroke penalty. Everyone involved agrees that Mr. Reed acted unintentionally, and that the tape of the incident fully supports that conclusion. Rippy, you are a noted Patrick Reed lover. What does this do for you? I didn't actually see this until Vorky uh, put it in the rundown. I don't know. I mean, he cheated, so I'd, it seems like a pretty toothless letter. You get a letter. We're just gonna Borky, what's your reaction to it? Tom Mars is going to get us, and now this. Hmm. I've tried to defend Patrick Reed. I don't know why. I think some people, especially uh, when you use his family issues against him, uh, as someone that has some myself, it's a lot more nuanced than what people know on the surface. And so maybe he gets too much stuff for something that nobody really knows the intimate details about. But this is indefensible. Just take it, man. You you did it. Just take it. It's crazy. Something tells me that Shambly's not going to back down. He probably no, just laughed and ripped like it up. I, I doubt he ripped it up. My guess is that he took it to the people at the Golf Channel and said, this is complete and ridiculous nonsense, utter and ridiculous nonsense. There's a history of cheating for Patrick Reed going back to his days in college. Nobody on tour likes him. And we've got the video evidence that he cheated right here. I mean, are, I mean, are, are we doing the, like, Depending on what the definition of is is with regard to cheating. <laughs> nice. Well, isn't there like libel you and broke slander the rules. laws? If you break that... the rules, you cheat. I, I'm sorry, yes. You're, you're headed toward J school right there, aren't you, Morky? Yeah, I think I remembered a few things from my degree, even though the people that gave it to me probably aren't proud of <laughs> the fact that they did it. Uh, yeah, there is something that protects Brandel, even if there was no real evidence, right? Since he's a public figure. 
Well, uh, the the two biggest things that are in favor of Brandel Chambly, you know, you, if you go back to the uh, the journalism law classes, you talk about libel and slander. Uh, defense number one is truth, and you've got video evidence that he cheated, that he broke the rules. To be fair, in golf, you can break the rules without cheating, but not what Reed did. Fair enough. Uh, and then the second, there is a different standard by which public figures are held accountable than the general public. I think Patrick Reed, very much a public fi- figure, and so the rules are a whole lot more complicated to uh, prove slander in this case. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Good to have you along on this Friday afternoon. I promise we will return to the Mike Leach conversation in just a little while. But right now we're going to talk some NFL playoffs as the Tennessee Titans, fresh off the win last Saturday against the New England Patriots, get set to face, uh, I guess, arguably the best team in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens. To talk about that more Joining us from Nashville, from A to Z Sports, is uh, Zach Bingham. He is Bada Bingham on Twitter. I didn't even have to look that up, Zach. That is like etched into my mind forever. It's the best Twitter name out there. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. I, I really do. There is an underscore, by the way. It's Bada underscore Bingham. Um, all right, so I was in Nashville last Saturday. I was doing the Vanderbilt game, and game ended – you know, right as the Titans game was ending. And so I was driving home listening to the post-game show, and there was a ton of excitement. But at the same time, it was measured excitement because it felt like what a lot of people expected to happen, even though it was going against Tom Brady and the, the Patriots. Yeah, I think overall the, the Titans had a better team. They may not have had a better coach and quarterback, but they had a better roster from top to bottom. They had a better running game. They had a better defense. And I think that showed out in a grinded-out type game. Now, the Patriots had the advantage of being in Foxborough, having some experience. But this Titans team has been – I mean, it has been hot towards the end of the season. Since Ryan Tannehill took over uh, in the last ten games in the regular season, they're 7-3. and three. Now, with that playoff win – they're eight and three, and Derrick Henry has gone full beast mode. It's kind of like his Heisman campaign when back in the day in Alabama, he is just running through everybody, point. and he's having a field day. So huge challenge, and you know this has to be like a road project for the Titans if they want to uh, want to continue to advance. If there was a quiet confidence because of the reason that you said just a second ago, a week ago. How would you characterize the mood of of Titans fans and maybe even the team this week going into this game of Baltimore? It's tough because I think a lot of fans had a lot of optimism going into the Patriots. And now after that performance, I do think that that optimism has carried over. And we've seen teams get hot, make a run. But you're also running into Baltimore. And as you referenced, they're the best team in the league with the best quarterback, MVP caliber quarterback in Lamar Jackson. But I do think if they stick to their game plan and they they kind of muck up the game, similar to what they did against New England, and they have those long drives for 75 yards over the course of seven minutes, then that cuts down the time of Lamar Jackson doing what he's been able to do all season. So 
I do think there's a sense of uh, a sense of optimism from Titans fans going into this game that there's a possibility. Plus, you got to remember last year. I know this year's Lamar Jackson is different than last year's in the Lamar Jackson, but last year's wild card game against the Los Angeles Chargers, Lamar Jackson played one of his worst games of his NFL career. So I don't know how that will play out, but they're geared up. A lot of Titans fans have traveled from Nashville to Baltimore, so I think they're uh, they're excited about playing another game uh, in the NFL playoffs. Titans went nine and seven in the regular season. Ravens went fourteen and two division round games. So the Ravens got to sit back and watch and and get healthy. Baltimore a ten point favorite in this game. That feels like kind of a big number to me. Yeah, I think it is big. I think that the Titans. I think the Titans could cover that number. It obviously depends on how the game plays out. But if if they can shorten the game, then I think it can be close. And it, it, if the Titans have an opportunity just at the end of the game to get a stop or win the game, I don't see that being that far fetched. But I, I'm kind of with you. I think Ken. I think Ken kind of goes more towards the winning streak of the Ravens than how the Titans have been playing. I think that's kind of how Vegas has summed that up. How is Tennessee equipped defensively? to deal with the Ravens' offense. And I say that intentionally. I mean, because there are a lot of people that go, well, Lamar Jackson, and you stop right there. And I get, you know, a guy that's responsible for almost 4,400 yards of offense and is the leading rusher on the team. But there's also a 1,000-yard rusher in Mark Ingram. And there's some guys that have caught some passes because you got 36 touchdown passes on the year for Jackson. So how would you kind of grade Tennessee's defense or, or – I don't know if grade's the right way to describe it, but how equipped are they to deal with the specific things that Baltimore does well? I think they have the players. Now, those players have to play at a much higher level because it is Lamar Jackson, but I think some keys to this game for the Titans defensively, watch out for the back half of the defense and the safeties, Kevin Byard, but really more importantly, Kenny Vaccaro. He comes up in run defense, and he's really got to make sure he tackles, whether it's Lamar Jackson or Mark Ingram, that they make those open field tackles and and kind of stop those drives. The other guy to cue on, middle linebacker Rashawn Evans. He's formerly out of Alabama, a first-round pick two years ago. He stepped his game up. And then you look at the, the, the front of the defense, and I'm sure your listeners, they know about Jeffrey Simmons all too well. Big Jeff, he has stepped up coming off of that ACL tear, and he has stuffed the middle. And if you can disrupt Lamar Jackson and make him maybe read somebody else because Jeffrey Simmons kind of pushes his man up the line of scrimmage, I think that could be big. I think they've got the pieces. It's just, as I've researched this Ravens team, it's all about open field tackles. And it's really, really hard to do with, even the weapons outside with Hollywood Brown. But Lamar will make you miss. They have just so many weapons. You can't miss. In the open field, you got to make sure that you can get to those second and sixes and those third and twos instead of giving Baltimore a first down. Zach Bingham from A to Z Sports in Nashville on your radio. We're talking the matchup with Tennessee and Baltimore. A.J. Brown, an unbelievable rookie season. A lot of people think he's the odds-on favorite to be the offensive rookie of the year. 52 catches, 1,051 yards, eight touchdowns. But last week against the Patriots, and partly because it was the Patriots' game plan to, to take A.J. Brown away and to make Tennessee beat them on the ground, one catch for four yards. 
Can Tennessee get him more involved this week than he was last week? I think they'll have to, and I think that they will. As you kind of referenced, that's just how the stats aren't indicative of really. I mean, that's just how the game went. They they had to grind it out. They had to run Derrick Henry 30-plus times just because that's how the game is. I think for this game, you're going to see Ryan Tannehill have a better stat line, throw the ball a little bit more, get A.J. Brown involved because that guy – I mean, it's unbelievable. He is a game breaker, and I think he will be rookie of the year. I think he deserves rookie of the year because of his big playability. He has eight different plays of 40 plus yards this year, and he has just been, he's been amazing. And I, I talked to AJ Brown at the beginning of the year in the locker room, and I asked him, I was like, what separates you from everybody else? And this was even before his rookie campaign. And he said, when I get the ball, I'm moving upfield. I'm not dancing. I'm not trying to juke people. I'm going upfield and I'm trying to score. And it's kind of funny because his words were the truth. He showed he can do that uh, throughout the course of the season. So I expect him to have a much bigger role and a better game on Saturday night. Zach, we were talking about this earlier in the week. When when I was, I don't know, in college and then for a little while after there, after that, I was a Titans fan. And that was kind of in the time when you had the rivalry with Jacksonville going. McNair was doing his thing. Frank Wycheck was around. It was just a really fun team. And I felt like there was a, a pretty significant love affair between the Titans and Nashville. That's 20 years ago now, or 18 years ago now. And, and there have certainly been some downs. Is that love affair back? Did it ever go away how has the city of Nashville, which is now a melting pot that's growing by like, I don't know, a thousand people a day, how has the city embraced this particular Titans team? Well, I'll say to your point, I definitely think that it went away for a period of time because the failure of Vince Young and Jake Locker in back to back, you know, those quarterbacks, they just didn't work out. And that was a huge gap. But now with the the hiring of John Robinson, he's the general manager, formerly of the New England Patriots. Mike Vrabel comes in. He's a known name. You've got Derrick Henry, a known commodity. You've got these names that you're starting to be familiar with, A.J. Brown even. I mean, rookie of the year, that's a big deal in the NFL. And the way Ryan Tannehill has played, I with any fan base, as you know, it's sports. When a team starts to win, people start coming from all places and jumping on the bandwagon. But I will say this buzz, because it is a football area, I mean, Nashville, there's a lot of transplants all over from Mississippi to Georgia to Alabama. A lot of people uh, come and live in Nashville. I think they're starting to hop on board for football. A few years ago, the Nashville Predators went to the Stanley Cup, and everybody was just buzzing. This was was an incredible emotion. It's starting to feel a little bit like that. Now, if the Titans make the Super Bowl, we'll probably talk more, and it would be a whole other story. But I do think that the fan base, it is trending up for this team to say, maybe this playoff window has just opened up, and they can kind of capitalize on the next couple of years. Make it a lot of fun. Zach, appreciate your time this afternoon. Yeah, thank you guys. I'm sure you guys have tons to talk about with uh, Mike Leach and, and, and Lane Kiffin. Mississippi no, on the no shortage of topics. Alone. That's Zach Bingham like from A to Z Sports in Nashville. We'll be right back. Everybody, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man.
Hey, Dad told us yesterday that if Mike Leach teaches a class at Mississippi State, he might be going back to school. Said that he would like to audit the insurgency, warfare, and principles of football amalgamation class. Maybe the first time I've ever used amalgamation as a uh, word on this show. What does that mean? Uh, uh, Combining those two things into one. You learn something new every day. There you go. Uh, So, more of Mike Leach from his introductory press conference today. He was asked about the class that he taught with a senator from the state of Washington while he was at Washington State, and people wanted to know if that was going to happen in Starkville as well. Uh, I was wondering if you've thought about uh, whether or not you'll be bringing your class on insurgent warfare and uh, football (laughs) tactics to Mississippi State. I'll tell you what, that would be fun. I had a blast. So I taught a class last year, and that was a blast. Um, And... uh, Taught a class with uh, Senator Mike Bumgartner, uh, state senator there in the state of Washington, who uh, went to Harvard and uh, and uh, used to work for the State Department. And he uh, taught some courses on insurgency and counterinsurgency. And, you know, would come around practice all the time, sit through our meetings. I knew he was dedicated when, you know, sit through those film meetings where, uh, although necessary, I myself was trying to sort of uh, sort out a way to make it go as fast as I could. And um, uh, so he says, you know, football and insurgency and counterinsurgency have a lot of similarities. So we so we taught a class, and it, it, it was it was a, a, it was ridiculously uh, exciting for me because uh, what our format was was. Uh, Mike would talk about some of the principles of insurgency, counterinsurgency. Then uh, I'd talk about football, you know, and uh, and here'd be here, you know, here'd be football. All right, we're playing so and so. We got to fortify this. We got to take care of that. Can't let them attack here. We got to get them here. Once we get them moving here, we're going here. Boom, you know, and 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 and, uh, and so. Uh, from my position, my part was relatively easy. Then we'd have guest speakers in there. And, uh, you know, um, oh, like we, we had a guy that was instrumental in busting the, the uh, shoe bomber and the Boston Marathon bomber uh, from Homeland Security. We had a Air Force survival specialist, people that had been in, in uh, Afghanistan. And so we really had some guys, you know, and what would happen, what I liked about the class, I'd learn a lot. So I'd sit there. And, you know, my part is like, all right, as soon as my part's over, then I can, you know, uh, it'll get interesting because I can hear something. Well, um, you know, and they, they'd, uh, it was just captivating. And I'd leave with more questions and answers, uh, listening to the quality guys that um, uh, came and spoke there. We had some of the past quarterbacks come and talk. Uh, Jack Thompson, who is a true hero of mine, uh, was one of them. Uh, you might remember him as the throwing Samoan. Um, and uh, Jack was one of the one of the very first island guys to ever play uh, college football, and just a, a truly outstanding uh, figure and example there at uh, Washington State. His friendship I've always valued, but he gave just a really compelling speech about uh, being a guy, uh, you know, from a different culture and a different place, and how uh, he integrated himself uh, in the state of Washington with kind of the rural setting and all that stuff, and. Uh, just you know, you you meet so many great people, and you know you can learn something from anybody. And these were people where you learn uh, what to do rather than what not to do. So I thought it was very good. And how do you foresee building the recruiting operation here? And how important do you think it is to hire guys with SEC experience in this area? 
Um, well, I, I think, um, first of all, they, they've done a lot of good things recruiting here. I mean, um, you know, they, they, they've, they've really done a fine job, I think, uh, recruiting here over the years. So there's going to be a lot of things that we need to maintain. I mean, you know, um, and maintain and continue and then uh, elevate as we see opportunities. I think that um, I think the most important element of recruiting is persistence and relationships. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, those type of people uh, are the ones that are the best uh, recruiters. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I think that, uh, you know, I've been all over the country and, uh, you know, a guy that really wants to recruit and it's meaningful and that uh, has a sincere message, I think they can recruit. But then also with that said, I think it's important uh, that we have some people that uh, know the ropes uh, around the, the area too. So I, I would say... Uh, a combination of all of it. I mean, the first and foremost, I want uh, good quality people that are dedicated recruiters. But then, uh, and then, you know, a mixture of uh, uh, we've got to have some really strong guys, uh, X and Ys on the field, discipline, focus, you know, and and uh, that uh, pulls a unit together. And the most important thing is what you can do together. I mean, sometimes people remember a key individual here, a key individual there, but it's. Uh, uh, and, you know, that's one thing I really felt like uh, Gardner Minshew did uh, uh, a year before last when we won 11 games, uh, a place where they, you know, they didn't think he could go to a bowl, but we won 11. And uh, and uh, he was a, a really good example of a guy uh, that could ele- elevate uh, the people around him. And then... Uh, and as that happens, everybody's stronger. So I'm just wondering if you've had a chance to revisit the visitors' locker room and if it's been upgraded to your expectations or not. <laughs> I did experience one disappointment when I came to Mississippi State, and that would be that uh, uh, last night I wanted to go down memory lane uh, to that old visitors' locker room, uh, the artistry of which I truly admire. I mean that sincerely. Maybe my taste and view on... Uh, football and sports are a little different than others, uh, but uh, uh, the, the, the old visitors' locker room at, at Mississippi State was literally a work of art, and uh, and now it's an office. So, uh, um, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, that's sacred ground because you know you always go to the visitors' locker room, and and obviously if you're the home team, you want to, to have the the most advantageous visitors locker room you possibly can and and, and um you know nowadays nowadays uh in these kinder and gentler days um they uh it was utterly outstanding and i mean just the thought that went into it that's Mike Leach talking about the visitors' locker room. You, uh, some of you, sent us that audio yesterday. I think we've played that before on the uh, on the show. He even went on to talk about the thirty-seven nails that he be uh, remembered being in the wall. When would that have been? Hey, Dad, it would it would have had to have been when he was at Kentucky, uh, right? Yeah, ninety-seven. They played here. Was the locker room really that bad, or is there some revisionist history here? I mean. I don't know. I've never, I had never been in that visitor's locker room before, but I, I would imagine it wasn't up to a, a high moral standard by any st- stretch of the imagination. Yeah. You left out the it, best part of that, by the way, where he described how it was, it was designed with malicious intent. 
I, I don't, maybe it was. Maybe Larry Templeton was the mastermind behind that, and he sat around and said, let's be malicious. How can we make it difficult I'm on gonna, the opponent? I'm going to give more credit to Jackie Sherrill. Jackie Sherrill oh, yeah? was probably like, this is way too nice. So let's, let's, let's get a couple. The way he described it, you know, there was you know two toilets with no lids, no seats, and one roll of toilet paper. Yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> you have the bare necessities, right? Hey, Dad, you can make it work. <laughs> I mean, I could. I wouldn't. I wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. The C Spire text line is open to you this afternoon. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire customer inspired. Don't forget to download the C Spire Health app for a limited time. If you're a C Spire customer, you can have a telehealth visit. With a UMMC clinician, avoid the waiting room, avoid the lines, avoid the germs of the doctor's office. Talk to a UMMC clinician about whatever's ailing you. If you need a prescription, they can send it to your pharmacy. It's easy. You don't have to leave your home or leave your office. Check it out. You want more information, go to cspirehealth.com or just download the app, Cspire Health. You can have it up and running in just a couple of minutes. The most animated he was all day long, I thought was when he was talking about the insurgent, counterinsurgent warfare class with principles of football. And, I mean, it was like he was back <laughs> teaching the class because he was turning around to the video wall behind him and, and kind of demonstrating the way, you know, everything looked in football. He got animated, and you could tell how passionate he was about it. Uh, I loved I mean, I had to, to turn down the audio some. You could see the level in the audio get higher when he was talking about that. I was going to point that out. I love the... Oh yeah, recruiting's important. We got to maintain what's going on here, but we got to recruit really well. Oh, by the way, this class I taught—just the difference in his tone when talking about football versus that—cracked me up. Yeah. Hey, Dad, he's talked about taking some time off. You know, in the in the summers in the past, he goes to Key West. He goes and uh, pursues different educational pursuits. I mean, all coaches get a little bit of time off. Uh, it sounds like he will continue to maximize that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to get any different Mike Leach at Mississippi State than we've gotten at any other stop. I, I, I would be disappointed if he became a, a workaholic. I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I tend to agree with you. we got more with you. We're going to take a quick timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming on supertalk.fm. Don't forget, if you miss any of the show, you can always go back and grab the podcast and listen at your convenience wherever you download your podcasts. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We'll kind of go back and forth with the Mike Leach stuff, play some more of the press conference for you uh, a little bit later this afternoon. I just, just kind of a general thought. Isn't it nice for a lot of the country to be talking about football, college football? in the state of Mississippi without it being the butt of some kind of joke? Three days before the national championship game as well. And I know that today was a day for Mike Leach. It was a day for Mississippi State, a day for John Cohen and Mark Keenum and Mississippi State fans. But because of what's transpired in the last month, it's both programs are being talked about. Hey, Dad, and you know, there's this. Not that it's necessarily a debate because neither's coached a game at their school yet. But the conversation nationally is okay. Who made the better hire? Was it Ole Miss? Was it Mississippi State? 
what do these guys, what ability do they have to elevate the programs in Starkville and Oxford, Oxford and Starkville if you prefer? That's what the conversation is nationally. Now, obviously today the focus is on Mike Leach, but it pretty quickly turns to a, a bigger picture conversation that doesn't have to do with legs being hiked in the end zone or on-field or off-field fights or an NCAA investigation. There were some in the media who tried to turn it into that conversation today, but fortunately uh, that got snuffed out pretty quickly. But you're right. You know, I, I did a radio spot before I came on uh, this show today, and and you know, nationally this is going to be a, a story. Think about you know, I like Joe Moorhead, and I, I don't know him personally, but I, I you know Matt and Luke seemed like a decent guy, and I, I would imagine you were you are friends with him. But they didn't have any you know real cachet nationally. Whereas, you know, Lane Kiffin has been on the Dan Patrick Show. I was told today that uh, Mike Leach will be there very soon. These these interviews weren't going to happen with the current head coaches. Mississippi football is as popular right now as it's been since that, that, you know, moment in 2014 where State was number one and Ole Miss was number three in the first college football poll and college football Mm -hmm. playoff poll. And yeah, it's it's exciting. I'd much rather talk about this than. Urination simulation, to be totally honest with you. You kind of got a good run at that, though. That was fun. I do. I won't lie. <laughs> I, I, I won't lie. You know. Oh, you bought a brand, sweatshirt but... or a sweater or whatever. Come on, man. I didn't buy it. It was a gift. Oh, was, was a it? gift. Yeah. Hmm. What was Dennis Dodd like doing? Being an idiot, I, and I like Dennis Dodd. I think he's a, a good reporter, and he's been a, a, a you know guy. But he made Say it, it seem like Mike Leach took a, <laughs> I'm just saying, he, you know, he just he made it look like Mike Leach took a total shot at Lane Kiffin, and I can't not that could not be further from the truth. All right, so so here's what I would please because you hear what you want to hear. There's not anything really that I can do for you. But my guess is Dennis Dodd would defend himself by saying, when I put space, dot, 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 space, I was going to a different thought. But that is not what he was doing with this tweet. Well, it was all inside one quote, and that plays when it's a different part of, like, if it's a long quote and you want to skip one part of it that's not relevant, but you can't pull it back to something that was I didn't watch the press conference, I, but from what I understand, it was two different questions about seven, eight minutes apart. That doesn't really play. Like, Completely it, unrelated thoughts. They weren't so, connected. So, yeah, so here's the tweet. Leach right now at his presser, and by phrasing it that way, you were, you were intimating that this was part of one answer. I like Lane. I know you're not supposed to like anything from Ole Miss, dot, dot, dot. I like playing against crummy coaches more than I do good coaches. Now, that makes mind, it look like 100% Mike Leach referred to Lane Kiffin as a crummy coach, and that could not be farther from the truth. Here's the full quote, and it was from the same question, Rippy. It was. He, he oh, okay. So, I, well, okay. Someone, I saw all I saw it was all the only source I had of this. I saw it on Twitter for a brief second. Someone said it was like seven minutes apart. So well, maybe and, that's wrong. And, if it was the it, same it, quote, well, it then, wasn't. It may have been hey, seven Dad, minutes I apart think... because that's how long he takes to answer a question. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Hey, Dad, wasn't this the question that Nick Suss asked where he asked about 
Yes. Coaching against all of these different guys in the SEC. Right. He mentioned Nick Saban. He mentioned Jimbo. Mm -hmm. Lane at Oxford. You guys have got a relationship that goes back. So there was a lot there. Sam Pittman got snubbed. Right. And then (laughs) he started out by answering about Lane Kiffin. Talked about how good the coaches were in the SEC across the board. Looped the Mm Pac-12 into that, saying that their good coaches are there. And then says, to be honest, I'd rather coach against crummy coaches than good coaches. Right. Because it's easier to win. I like playing against crummy coaches more more than really good coaches. But, you know, as I look around these conferences, there's no hiding from good coaches. You're going to run into a good coach, and you're going to have to fight like crazy in every conference you're in with regard to the quality of some of these coaches. No shot whatsoever. None. And look, don't. So when did CBS Sports become clickbait? Well, it's just I'm smart enough to know that, yeah, that taking a shot at Ole Miss would would have uh, would have played well. I'm not going to deny that for one second. It it would have played well for him, but he didn't. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. So it was it was it's just really poor, really poor by by Dennis Dodd there. Is he a Mizzou grad? Can we take his badge away? Anyone know? <laughs> oh man! If only you know, we all had Missouri degrees. We'd be uh, writing nationally for CBS as well, being able to craft irresponsible BS, and nothing happened. I would to need you. to be a Northwestern grad. We need to mix it up a little. I go to is it Medill? Is that how you pronounce Medill? It? Yeah, the Medill School at Northwestern. Yeah, that, that that would be me, and then the rest of you guys are the Mizzou guys. Well, the real hipster place is Syracuse. Oh. If you got a Syracuse degree, you could just kind of claim superiority over them all because it's like the third one no one thinks about. No, that's only in um, like the television side of things. I'm just telling you the rules, man. That's the rules of the game. (laughs) Oh yeah, if I had had a degree from Syracuse as a degree from Ole Miss, I'd be doing 237 games a year at ESPN. (laughs) And it would have started when I was 24. Me, Rippy, and Borky. Yeah, you should try the uh, Bill Walton thing. You should just say a bunch of nonsense and see if it gets you bigger gigs. Take yeah, some think, hard drugs and go on air. Why not? A good point. He does it. Just take a six-month sabbatical, follow Dead & Company, come back and just see what happens on air. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you next September. What doesn't make sense to me at the Dennis, about the Dennis Dodd tweet was that he also said, I would be okay with this Leach press conference lasting for four hours. Clearly, he was enjoying it. Yeah, like I think most people were that were watching. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It just manufactured nonsense. But what do you gain from doing that? That's that's my question. Is as Rippy said, it's not exactly clickbait because he didn't really give you anything to click on. I guess maybe you can be fishing for retweets, but what are you doing? The the guy's golden off on his own. Do you really want to try to get them to start? Egg bowl poking at each other when it's better this way. What are you doing? Yeah, you don't need to clean up or doctor Mike Mike Leach quotes like that. That's really just not necessary. Hey, Dad, are you ready to uh, do some speculating on what the coaching staff might look like under Mike Leach? Well, I know that's been reported by twenty four seven already that it looks like it's going to be a clean slate. Uh, that all of the coaches oh, really? here have uh, been uh, been told that that you know that. They're going to expect to bring their own, their own guys in. I don't know that they, they won't be given the opportunity to interview. I, I would be really, really surprised if Tony Hughes isn't at least ret- retained due to his 
you know, incredible recruiting connections. I know Marcus Johnson, offensive line coach, Tony has Hughes, already, by the way, uh, is one of the nicest job. guys on the planet. Incredible guy. Such a good guy. Uh, Marcus Johnson, MSU offensive line coach, former Ole Miss uh, football player, um, has already taken a new job with Missouri. Uh, that was announced earlier today. Uh, but beyond that, it looks like there could be a lot of new faces here in Starkville. Steve Spurrier, Jr.? Heard that name? Heard, I've heard the name Charlie Strong as a defensive coordinator, perhaps? <laughs> also um, saw, I think like it was said, Joel it, that it, pointed out that Spurrier, Jr. has seven kids, including a set of twins and a set of triplets. He's a glutton for punishment. He's <laughs> a closer. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I, I, yeah. <laughs> get gets that coffee. man some coffee. He gets coffee. Yeah. <laughs> get that man some coffee. Uh, yeah, beyond that, I'd be, I would just be speculating, but I, I expect to see a bunch of new faces from what I can tell. Okay. Well, I want you to speculate some more when we come back. I want some names. Sure. Wild, yeah. reckless speculation. So that people can That's immediately run and say, Brian Haydad reported. Tell we'll roll. Let's go. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. C Spire customer inspired. You say we wrap up the 4 o'clock hour next. Friday afternoon with you. Like a rough weather night into weather Saturday. So heads up on that front. Yeah, Sports I saw Talk earlier today that uh, Go we ahead, could Morgan. get winds up to 80 miles an hour here in central Mississippi tomorrow. In the big city? Yeah. With tornadoes and all that good stuff coming with it. Looking at a uh, future cast screenshot, and it looks like nine-ish tomorrow morning, maybe somewhere between eight and nine. Pretty nasty-looking line of, I don't know, severe weather could kind of make its way across central Mississippi. So heads up. Yeah, I decided not, to, uh, decided not to make that trip to Baton Rouge after all for uh, for Mississippi State LSU. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just watch from the house. What's wrong? You had to get up eight o'clock in the morning two days in a row and you're just too tired? I just don't <laughs> want to drive through all that, brother. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm hoping that I can get to Nashville tonight and miss it and then come home tomorrow night and miss it on the other side. That's my hope. Yeah, you just played uh, fly-by-night there, uh, Borky. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Neil Pert passed away uh, this week. Yeah, that's uh, the rest of the show uh, up until Axel F. will be Rush, one of the goats. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, cool story here, guys. I just saw this pop up. Uh, Julia Clare who is the women's golfer at Ole Miss. Julia Johnson, I believe. Sorry, okay. I was just looking at her Twitter name. So Julia Johnson has been... Can you imagine getting this in the mail? She's been extended an invitation by the Board of Governors of the Augusta National Golf Club to participate in the 2020 Augusta National Women's Amateur. That is uh, 1st through the 4th of April... Really, really cool honor there. Last year was the inaugural uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur, and it was exceptionally well-received. So congratulations to Julia Johnson. Really good player for Ole Miss, part of that SEC championship winning team a year ago, and now she gets to uh, step onto some pretty hallowed ground to swing a golf club the week before the Masters. That's awesome. 
pretty cool. That's really, really cool. Hey, Dad, you were ready to engage in wild and reckless speculation. Don't let me get in the way. <laughs> well, the Charlie Strong rumor that's making its way around some message boards and around social media right now is very interesting to me. you, you got to think you know, he wants to get back in the coaching game. And I would imagine head coaching opportunities for him, you know, been fired from his last two stops, uh, probably aren't super plentiful right now. Uh, certainly has a, a reputation as a great recruiter, which, uh, you know, would, would be, especially here in the South, that would be good. Um, there's been some, you know, very scattered chatter about Todd Grantham trying to poach him from Florida. Uh, he makes $1.8 million a year down there. So we talked about you want to spend some money there, there would be an opportunity. Uh, and you also have that, that opportunity to offer him, you know, that his son is coming here to play baseball at Mississippi State. So, you know, there's, you know, every little bit helps, I guess. Um, don't, you know, like I said, don't see him going after an offensive coordinator, you know, but one thing, if you look at his previous staffs, and this is what's going to be sort of interesting with this roster, is he never has a tight ends coach. He has an outside receiver and an inside receiver. State has, uh, I think, five or six tight ends on the roster. Uh, so what are you going to do with those guys? That's going to be interesting to, to find out. I think I got the first thing that pops in my head is you might see Brad Combus make a full time move to baseball, which is where I think his future might be anyway. Um, but state's got you know to do some reshuffling there. Uh, as far as speculation goes, I would speculate that the transfer portal will be uh, in full effect in Starville. They're going to probably try to find a couple of receivers, and I wouldn't be totally surprised to see them try to go after a quarterback. Uh, you know, after especially when you look at the spring, I'm sure he'll give Schrader and Thompson and Maiden opportunities to see what they've got. But if he doesn't like them, I wouldn't be totally surprised to see another transfer uh, here in Starville. Any names that that jump out? I mean. Jamie Newman from Wake Forest has been rumored to Georgia. Did that ever has that gotten any more official, or is that still just kind of floating? It's kind of floating. It, I, I, I don't have a name right now. It just seems like that would be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who, that, who that's gonna how that's gonna play out. But well, well the, that's interesting the thing with Mike thing, Leach though is what I was gonna say is I, he just I, he finds I think guys. we might be headed in yeah, the same direction here. Go ahead. Yeah, but he he just it doesn't does it matter. He just finds guys, you know. Gardner Minshew, you know, had had a, a respectable career at East Carolina, and he turned him into one of the top passers in the country. You know, he just he, he's able to take these guys that you you basically never heard of in the recruiting process, and then they throw for five thousand yards. So, you know, I'm sure we'll watch the portal, but it, he may just pick a guy out of a hat and say, "I, I can do it," and go from there. Yeah. I feel like in some ways that sells Gardner Minshew short a little bit. He gets to the NFL because he played in Mike Leach's offense and he put up those ridiculous numbers. There's no question that's the reason he got there. Right. But there was some talent in the tank, and he had put up oh, some no pretty doubt. good numbers no because he's gone to the NFL but Mike and, Leach, it's, and it's worked. Mike Leach unleashed that talent. He's the one, he's the one who, who spotted it and, and got it out. Yeah. Nick Saban wanted him, too, but it was basically just to prepare him for a coaching career. Just after 5 o'clock with you on Friday, Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along for the ride. You can always get anything that you missed 
on the Super Talk Mississippi podcast. It is available after the show finishes wherever you download your podcast. Don't forget the ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395. Ceasefire text line, ceasefire customer inspired. It is Friday of the division round weekend in the NFL. And so instead of making college football picks like we've done all season long, we will make NFL playoff picks. Borky, should we add the national championship game in as well? Or do we just save that for Monday? We'll save uh... that for Monday. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So it's time for the Pearl River Resort picks of the day. Our picks are brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge at Pearl River Resort, the Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. Given the weather outside right now this weekend, probably not your best time to jump out on Dancing Rabbit, but just hang around. It'll warm back up. Sun's going to pop back out, and probably in the next week or so. Might enjoy some golf. When summer rolls around, you've got the water park, you've got great concerts, you've got great dining options. So much to do at Pearl River Resort, including checking out the sports book at Time Out Lounge. Two games tomorrow, two games on Sunday. We'll start with the early Saturday game. Minnesota at San Francisco. The Minnesota Vikings, who won in New Orleans last weekend, stay on the road. They are getting seven points. So Minnesota, a seven-point underdog at San Francisco. Let's start with the guy who wore the San Francisco Giants jersey to a wrestling match earlier this week, although I don't know if that equates to the 49ers. Hey, Dad, who you got? It doesn't. Uh, I will take the 49ers here. Uh, uh, The 49ers have just been so good this year, surprisingly good. Uh, I didn't think they'd be as good as they are. Um, I don't think the Vikings can make the magic happen two weekends in a row, so give me the Niners. A little weird to me on the timing for these. I'm kind of surprised they didn't flip-flop these two games mm. with the West Coast team, stick them in the night slot. But that game will kick off at 1.35 local time, 3.35 where we are, and it's on NBC. Forky, Vikings or Niners? Niners favored by seven. Would not be at all surprised if Minnesota hangs around in this one. I mean, you saw what their pass rush is capable of. And, I mean, if Cousins just plays okay, they've got the weapons. But even though it's Jimmy G's first real playoff experience, uh, San Francisco at home, even with the seven points, is just – it seems like a sucker bet almost. They're just a a whole lot better than Minnesota. Yeah, I agree with you, Rippy. I think so, too. But this will be an interesting matchup because Minnesota, best team in the NFL at taking away the tight end. San Francisco has the best tight end on earth. So lots of wash, but like if you're putting it on the shoulder of Cousins at the end, I don't think he can do it two weeks in a row. A lot of points, but I'd probably still go San Francisco. Healthier on defense. Most expensive get-in-the-door playoff ticket this weekend is for this game. 185 bucks to get you in at Santa Clara. Uh, at Levi's Stadium, you can get into Titans Ravens for 143, Chiefs Texans. A little surprising here at 121, and uh, you can go to Green Bay. Maybe really surprising here, 109 bucks for that Seahawks Packers game. Ton of snow up Sunday. there is uh, the problem. And speaking of fake news with Dennis Dodd, same things happening in the NFL. People are are writing the headline that the Packers are looking for volunteers to shovel snow, and of course, the sports media that turns into Oh, the rich billionaire asking team worth $2 billion asking people to volunteer. They're paying them $12 an hour to do it. They're not volunteers. Okay. Asking to volunteer to... Volunteer to take Volunteer money. to get paid. 
Yeah. yeah. But uh, so that's why you're seeing low ticket prices. Is it's going to be one of those games? Awesome. Those are the best games to watch. I will take the points. I think San Francisco wins. I think San Francisco is better. I think they will advance. I really like Dalvin Cook. I'll take a touchdown in the NFL playoffs. I will probably be wrong because for as long as I've looked at this game, I've thought, yeah, San Francisco, they'll cover that touchdown. Probably win it by 10, maybe 15. Underdogs have murdered it in the NFL this year. But because underdogs have murdered it in the NFL this year, I'm going to take the points. I'll take uh, the Vikings plus the seven. Saturday night game in Baltimore. It's going to be nice weather-wise. 65 degrees, cloudy. Ravens went 14-2 and in the regular season. Titans went 9-7. and Ravens were off last week. Titans were not. They went to New England, and they won ugly. Baltimore is a 10-point favorite in this game. Once again, I will take the points. I'll take the Titans plus the 10. Borky. I will, too. And I I don't know how much I trust Tannehill. I know he's been good. Last week may have been more of an indicator of what he will be able to do against a team like Baltimore. But the money line might not even be a bad play here. I know that's crazy, but you'd get great value on it. Tennessee plays too good a defense for you to take more than 10 points in this game, at least. And they'll be able to control the ball with how good Henry's been and how good they are up front. I like the Titans here, maybe even to win the game. Ooh, hey, Dad. I don't know about that. Uh, I think Baltimore will win. I think they'll win pretty relatively easily. I don't, ten is ten is a little iffy, but I'm, I'm going to take the Ravens here. Uh, I could okay. see them winning something like two touchdowns, twenty-seven to seventeen, twenty-seven fourteen, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Rippy. Uh, I like the Titans here. Homer pick. With an outside shot to win, just drop a little knowledge on you. Last four times in the playoffs, the team with the leading rushing offense, Ravens, versus the leading rusher, the team with the leading rusher has won all four times. Good to know. So, early game on Sunday, 2.05 kick on CBS from the loudest place in America. Don't believe it, just ask them, they'll tell you. Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Texans, 10-6 and in the regular season. Coming off the win, took a pretty miraculous fourth quarter from Deshaun. Wa- excuse me, Deshaun Watson to beat the Bills, and a uh, subpar fourth quarter from uh, Josh Allen. But uh, the Texans survived and advanced. You see what they could be when they are at their best late in that ball game. Chiefs twelve and four, another double digit line. Kansas City laying ten at home. Rippy, you're up first. It's interesting because Houston's already won at Arrowhead once this year. And I was curious because the line was so big when I was doing this with uh, LB's Greg, see what it was. I think it was only like three and a half or four in the regular season. So that tells mm. you that Houston regressed kind of a mess. <laughs> Against my better judgment, I'll probably go Deshaun Watson. This screams like a game that's like 13 the whole game, and then he goes nuts for two possessions in the fourth quarter, and you're like, how are they in this? So okay. I'll go to the Texans. I don't really know why, though. Haddad, who you got? Oh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs big in this one. I just feel like, you know, last week was, I feel like it was a fluke, even though Deshaun Watson is much better than, than Buffalo, than, uh, Josh Allen. Uh, the, the way they won that game was just crazy. I don't think they, I think they'll, they'll come back down to earth and the Chiefs are, the, the Chiefs see the Super Bowl in front of them now with, with Brady gone. I'll, I'll take the, uh, the Chiefs to win and win big. You, you thinking like 31-10 win big? Bigger than that. Yeah. I could, I could see the Chiefs getting 40. Whew. Total in the game, by the way, is 51. It wouldn't stun me at all. Buffalo is a better team than 
Houston was. Houston kind of got lucky. Okay. Who you got, Borky? Yeah, so did the Vikings, by the way. That was total luck and nothing else. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take the 10 points, I, I think. I, I kind of agree with Rippy there. It, it felt fluky a little bit with their win over Buffalo and uh, in Arrowhead, healthy Deshaun, or not Deshaun Watson, uh, even though he's healthy too, uh, based on the way he ran the ball last week. A healthy Patrick Mahomes, uh, 10 points is a lot. Don't care. Lay him. You're laying the points. Okay, I'm taking the points. I will take Houston. Continuing my uh, my trend here of uh, taking the points in these division round games, plus the 10 Texans. We'll see if they can keep the magic alive. That may be a little bit of a uh, sentimental pick for John Harris because I hope he wins, uh, his team wins, and gets to go to the AFC Championship game. We shall see. And then the late game on Sunday, 540 Central Time kickoff on Fox. Seahawks at Packers. Can DK Metcalf continue to be big for Russell Wilson? If the Seahawks are going to win this game, he's going to have to be big. I think I'm going to buck my own trend here. I don't want to bet against Aaron Rodgers, potentially in the snow, in 24 degrees, at Lambeau. I'll lay the four and a half. It's a smaller number, and we'll take Green Bay to advance, and we'll see what happens from there. Rippy. I think this is an undercover legacy game for Rodgers because if you lose to a really bad Seahawks team other than Russell Wilson at home, decades since he's been to a Super Bowl, only one, it's kind of like, what are you doing, man? I will go Seattle here. Point of order. Point of order quickly. Seattle was much better on the road than they were at home this year. They're just good in general. Yeah, does the weather really games. affect them? Does the weather really affect Seattle? It's not like they play you know, in, in, a, in a dome or something. Wrong team favorite. Seattle wins outright. Ooh. You followed LB's Greg. That was his bold pick of the weekend. I like it. Borky, where are you on this one? Going to take Green Bay at home. There you go. Those are your picks brought to you by Pearl River Resort, the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Just hope we get the same weekend we had in the NFL last weekend. A lot of fun, tight, competitive games. We'll be back. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can also find out about Ford's SUVs, which drive like SUVs. You get sport and utility. Drive an SUV from Ford and drive it like a Ford. Stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive one today. Southern Miss has a new tight end. He is a name that you might recognize from the Southeastern Conference. A graduate transfer will try to help bolster the Southern Miss offense in 2020. Arkansas tight end Grayson Gunter announced on Twitter on Friday that he plans to play his final season of college football with the Golden Eagles. High school football at Madison Central. Gunter was a three-star prospect by 24-7 sports with offers from Arkansas, Appalachian State, Arkansas State, FAU, and uh, maybe FIU also. Gunter entered the transfer portal in December. He will be immediately eligible to play because he has his degree from Arkansas. That's a nice pickup for Jay Hobson's team. Yeah, really good. Can you have enough talent? Oh, absolutely not. I was wondering 
especially in the transfer portal, how active or how more active would you think a school like Southern Miss, and because we're in the state, we'll use them as an example, how reliant should they become on the transfer portal? Because as we mentioned at the end of, I think it was last season, that there were a few hundred more players in the portal than spots available on rosters. And so when an SEC player, for example, wants to transfer and there may not be a home, should a Southern Miss become more dependent on the transfer portal because there are some good quality players that they don't usually get that struggle to find homes right now? I think it still depends a little bit on your needs. I mean, you you could take the best player available route if you wanted to, but I think it is a way to supplement your roster. And, you know, you're getting veteran guys. You, you, I think there's some due diligence, though, that, I mean, you, you got to dig on this. I mean, you got to find out why guys are, are leaving. Although the reasons seem to be pretty benign lately. I mean, it's, it's generally as simple as... There was a coaching staff change, and I don't want to start over with a new coaching staff here. This is my ticket out, or I'm not playing, and I want to play. And so maybe I'm not good enough to be on the field at Arkansas, but I do think you know I'm a backup at Arkansas, just not getting as many snaps. So you know what? I'll go to Southern Miss, or Tulane, or ULM, or wherever. I think you might be onto something, Borky. I usually am. I don't know that that's like proprietary, though. I mean, my guess is that Jay Hobson has spent a fair amount of time scanning the transfer portal to see what's out there. Not knocking your premise, though. No, that's not what that was. (laughs) Not at all, right? No, it was just a question, just uh, generating conversation on the radio. Hey, so we've been so wrapped up in football for at least the last week, but really like the last week and a half, and you know, pretty in depth on it before that. And we were all kind of in and out around Christmas. We know we've got the the Astros cheating story that's floating out there in baseball. What about Rippy? This Red Sox deal. What What do we need to know about? what the Red Sox are being accused of and how serious is all of this stealing signs and cheating stuff? Similar type thing. I mean, the Astros weren't the only ones to do it, and I think most people knew that when this happened. They just weren't very subtle about it, but uh, I think most of the punishment here will be in the front office rather than players. Why? Because it's the one orchestrating it versus the ones carrying it out, so I think the ones they're trying to go for are front office manager coaching staff like i would imagine aj hints alex cora get very hefty suspensions i would be shocked if a player was suspended to be completely honest you you think so you think the managers are looking at big time suspensions yes and members of the front offices how when you say big time how big are you talking about year like an entire season wouldn't shock me may not be that long but it wouldn't shock me I think they want to put an end to this and make an example out of this. Like, I don't know. Bounty Gate? Do either of you guys remember that? Bounty Gate? Yeah. No, I remember it. Okay. Well, same type of deal. I don't think necessarily the punishment fit the crime for Sean Payton there. But I think they're going to try to make an example out of it. So 
It wouldn't stun me, but again, I think you'll see more off the field suspensions in term rather than players being suspended. If I had to take a guess, again, that's just one man's opinion, as Joel Coleman said once. <laughs> Third person Rippy. Yeah. How widespread do you guys think this is in baseball? I think everybody does it to a, a certain degree, but do you do it to the degree where you can easily be caught by amateur sleuths at home? That's that's the difference. Sleuths? Sleuths? Is that how you pronounce it? You like Dick Tracy over there? The thing is, though, th- yeah. it wasn't like a like teams knew this was going on. I mean, you see that fam- infamous now White Sox video. Well, the pitcher knows it's happening. He says in the video to the catcher, hey, they got the signs. So I think I don't know about every team. I, I may be the case, may not, but certainly quite a few. How do you stop it? Does just punishing the Astros and giving them the harshest punishment in the sport, uh, as one reporter called it, is that enough to get everybody to cut it out? You probably or take away technology. I don't really know what you do. I'm glad that's not my job, but you got to do something. Because I think signs, like generic sign stealing, like if you're ta- like you're trying to guess team signs, is fine. But when when you get video cameras and stuff involved, like I don't think every team does this. Actually, I think quite a few. I think teams maybe are liberal, cavalier, whatever you want to call it, with the rules. Sometimes but I don't. You mean like Bernie Sanders style? There goes Rippy again Here with we the liberal go again. <laughs> I, I was on with JT earlier, and one of the listeners texted in about liberal Rippy. He Did they really? What's it? <laughs> they were like, thank God. Because JT put it on almost... the t-shirt list. Liberal Rippy. Because <laughs> JT time. almost there calls is me. No putting the toothpaste back in this tube. Oh no, it's yeah. over. I keep waiting for it. Once Ripperal, the day it makes it. Ripperal, could we could do that? I don't know. The day once election season gets uh, cranked up, I might start ghost texting into Gallo about the redistribution of wealth <laughs> and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. the point being, I don't. I, I don't uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't think. There's another idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Gallo in the morning. Maybe it be, can be a long, drawn-out con where I start doing it, and I'm like, "Hi, Mr. Gallo. Actually, here's my name," and then just go with whatever name I've been ghost texting off of. And then anyway. he says, "Who?" <laughs> There's another idiot. <laughs> There's another idiot. <laughs> we all just had a long sigh at the same time. It's okay. Gallo's not listening right now. He's already gone to bed for the night. Actually, he he probably hibernates for the entire weekend, doesn't he? Hi, Paul. Brian Scott Rippey, Marxist. Um, but <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with this at this point. Of course, it gets derailed. Let me switch gears altogether. How about that? Perfect. Perfect game college baseball preseason top 25. These are starting to trickle out, by the way. The apparent number one team, everybody's darling in the country going into this year, the Louisville Cardinals. That's where Perfect Games got them. Vandy at two. Tim Tadlock's Texas Tech Red Raiders. Say that a couple of times. Number three. A lot of alliteration there. Arkansas's Razorbacks checking in at number four. And how about this return to national prominence? At number five, Arizona State. Remember when they were a staple in the top ten in the country every Barry year? Bonds. And then they just kind of fell off? Yeah. yeah. 
We should go on past the top five, shouldn't we? We, we? we should, considering, you know, the people we serve. Auburn at number six. Miami at number seven. Checking in at number eight, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. A lot of folks going to be picking when they do like the preseason eight for Omaha stuff. You're going to have a lot of people picking Mississippi State to get back to the College World Series. Where's Oregon State? Did I jump the gun? Oregon State is not in the top. It's um, nice, Lou Holtz. Not in the top twenty-five. Uh, missed opportunity because you got Ole Miss hosting the number one team in the country first weekend. It doesn't. Weren't we talking about when it came out? State has Oregon State in the first three weekends. Second week. Three? Okay. Second weekend. Yeah. Sounds like a good time to catch Oregon State though, because a lot of years yeah. they have been in that preseason top ten or so. Uh, other SEC teams: Florida at thirteen, Ole Miss at eighteen, LSU at twenty, A and M at twenty-two. Far cry from the collegiate baseball preseason top twenty-five poll that had Ole Miss in the other receiving votes category at number 49 nationally. I think that's one guy that does the collegiate baseball poll. He had Mississippi State it in the is. top five, didn't he? I think something like that, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Five weeks from today, college baseball, baby. Throughout the show this afternoon, we have played for you parts of Mike Leach's press conference. He was announced as the head football coach at Mississippi State earlier today. Big crowd at the Leo Seal Center. And if you missed any of it, you can always go back and listen to the show on demand at supertalk.fm. You can download it in podcast form if that's the easiest way for you to listen. You can do that through uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If Dennis Dodd is listening right now, then perhaps he should listen to the first question and answer and then maybe reconstruct a tweet that he had earlier today in a way that uh, is a little less, um, I don't want to say dishonest, let's go with misleading. This was uh, part of Mike Leach's press conference earlier today in Starkville. Being competitive, you're coaching in a division now with guys like Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn, Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin right down the road. How exciting is that for you, and how much of a factor was that in taking this job? And then how familiar are you with Lane from your days back in the Pac-12 together? I've known Lane for a long time. I've actually known Lane when he was a a GA for Pete Carroll. Um, And... uh, and I've always liked Lane, and uh, and and I know that uh, you know you're not supposed to like anything from Ole Miss, but you know um, uh, I've I've always I've always liked him, uh, a, a kind of an entertaining guy. And then um, uh, and then you know all those guys I know, you know uh, Nick and Jimbo, and this this conference is loaded with quality coaches. That's what makes it exciting. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is I came from a conference loaded with quality coaches too. Not to diminish uh, uh, either conference, you know. I mean, the the, the resources vary, the opportunities vary. But uh, um, you know, I, I like I, I like playing against crummy coaches better than really good ones. But um, and uh, but you know, as I look around uh, these conferences, uh, as I look around these conferences. Uh, there's no hiding from good coaches. You're going to run into a good coach, and you're going to have to fight like crazy uh, at every conference you're in with regard to the quality of some of these coaches. 
Yeah, you don't want to get bit by him, I'll tell you that. You see that? He, that's, the, that's the dog version of like a leather jacket. He'd be like uh, the Fonzie of uh, Bulldogs, so you don't mess with him. Well, in the past, you've done a ranking of different mascots. Where do the Bulldogs fall in terms of the Mike Leakes rankings of mascots? Oh, geez, I got a really good joke that I'm not going to tell here. But I'm trying to think. Uh, well, first of all, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I'll, 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 I, I, will, I, will, I will tell you the punchline of the joke. The punchline of the joke was, that dog will bite you. Um, but but the the uh, uh, I'll tell you this. I mean, you know, they call them bulldogs for a reason, and uh, and um, you know, and they're built for combat, and uh, and you know, and I know a lot of uh, I, I you know young kids a lot of times start out afraid of them, maybe maybe for good reason, and so uh, uh, and, and I know I'm scared of this one, so I'm glad I represent him. Going back to Lane Kiffin, what was your perception of the Egg Bowl coming into this? Obviously, you've coached at places with big rivalries, Apple Cup you just came from, but uh, here Mississippi State Ole Miss is a pretty big rivalry. A lot of people care about it. What's your perception of it? Well, I think it's huge. I think it's huge, and I think there's, you know, everywhere you, you kind of have your rivalries, uh, uh, and, you know, it's, it's uh, and then, you know, the better you get, the more rivalries you have because everybody wants to... Uh, get a piece of you and uh so we want to you know we want to put out a quality enough product that uh uh and it'll take it'll, it'll take a couple years but where you consistently uh beat some teams to where uh everybody feels like uh they're your rival but i think you know Ole miss is right down the road Ole miss is a a, a place that uh that uh uh uh, Mississippi State's always taken a lot of a great deal of pride in beating, and uh, you know we want to elevate that. We want you know it's it's very important to all of us to to win the Egg Bowl. But the the, the best way to play in that Egg Bowl is uh, is get better every day. Just what are your initial impressions of the roster that you're inherited? Uh, my initial impressions, and they are initial, is that they're it's is that they're good. I mean the thing, you know, I mean uh, good solid football players. Yeah. I knew a good uh, a coach, uh, old school coach from Florida State. He used to say, "We're looking for runners and hitters," and uh, and and just looking at it, I there there I, there's definitely some runners and hitters on this team. And I'll tell you, some of these guys, like and you know, I've always been told I had reasonably big hands. I shake hands with some of these guys, you know, and, 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 and you know, and I feel like I'm ten, and so. Uh, uh, and we we got some we we got some some big hands and long levers and uh, which is arms that's football for arms and then uh, um, uh, I mean I'm excited about the chance to coach them and I think a lot of the things that are exciting about coaching is discovery one discovery of what somebody's capable of because uh, a lot of times they're discovering that the same time you are because everybody can work harder than they think they can everybody's a little better than they think they are. Um, and then, um, and then the other thing is, is as you, as players grow and develop and things from one day to the, the next, uh, pretty soon, 
you know, they can do something they couldn't do before, and they didn't think they'd be able to. And so, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, there's a uh, there's a, there's a lot of discovery in this business, and I think that's what uh, uh, keeps you interested. I think addiction would be a better word, but um, um, you know, because you know, coaches get addicted. You know, I mean, all the time you see people uh, uh, retire, and it's it's it's, it's tough on them, and. Uh, and, and, and some of these guys get reeled back in all the time. Just talk about John said about discipline was one of the things that, that attracted him to you. Just talk about your philosophy on that piece and what it means to you. You know, that, that's, yeah, I mean, it kind of, it kind of depends, the, you know, specifically what happens. The quick answer is accountability. I mean, everybody's got to be accountable, and it's got to be an, an, an equal level of accountability. And, um, you know, I've always thought that uh, – um, you know, it, 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 whatever is the undesired behavior, you got to make make sure the desired behavior is easier. You know, if you it, you know if you want guys to go to class, you got to make sure that uh, not going to class becomes really inconvenient. And um, uh, uh, whether it's uh, uh, having somebody do more or, or, or taking something away that they want, you know, and um, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, you just got you just got to make it more convenient to do uh, the thing that's right because in the long run, everybody wants the same thing, and I think sometimes that needs to be illustrated to them. Everybody wants the same thing as far as being the best that they can possibly be, and and uh, down deep they want it. It's it's like uh, following that path can get hard, but you got to make it inconvenient to stray from the path, you know. How would you rate your first 24 hours here kind of making the rounds in the community? I think it's outstanding. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's what a great college town is. I mean, it's uh, it's all Bulldogs uh, 24 hours a day, you know, and, and, and whether it's football or whether it's academics or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, other other sports or the other thing, you know, universities always have a dimension where um, – you know, there's a lot of things. You know, you've got the Grant Library here. You've got, uh, you know, uh, museums, exhibits that come through here, great lecturers, people that know something. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure, uh, obviously, a bunch of people have written some great books around here. Um, you know, uh, professors and things and some of their research. I can tell you right now, uh, uh uh, Coach Polk wrote a great book, okay? And so there, there's, there's some minds in whatever industry they're in, uh, uh, or interest, no, industry's wrong, but interest uh, that are just outstanding. And, and, and anytime people are pursuing uh, uh, knowledge and thought, uh, a lot of good things come out of it, generally. That was Mike Leach. Had a good time at his opening press conference. Mississippi State fans certainly enjoyed that. Uh, hope you've enjoyed some of the uh, clips this afternoon. Quinn sent a message, said, I could listen to that guy all day. you got to be stoked if you're a State fan. Hey, Dad, I've not really made this connection until just now. A couple of people have texted it in, and listening to Mike Leach talk, there's some very similar mannerisms and delivery between Mike Leach and John Madden. Yeah, there's some of that. I, I could totally see that. Yeah, that the way he he sort of 
pauses and gives you the ah, you know, before he goes into some sort of tangent. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Here's one. A little bit of a dissenting view. I'm glad it's state folks that have to listen to this guy. I couldn't take much of him. I think you're in the minority. I think most people really like listening to Mike Leach. He's funny and bright and insightful, and he is a very much different-sounding voice in the landscape of college football. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.